1: Blue line. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Alan! History title! Five
0: games with five seconds remaining! Is there anything
2: you don't gamble? Uh.
0: Not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. (laughs) Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
2: And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. We're running through the NFL Week 10 rotation. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg, joined as always by our podcast producer and now co-host Alex Uplinger as we're going to look ahead to the weekend in the National Football League. Find Alex managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod, and follow him on his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. Alex, always good to have you aboard. How you doing, my man?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Greg. It's it's good to be back. Just not feeling great after this Thursday night game. Titans really fucking blew that one on special teams. but
2: Yeah, we record just at the end of the Thursday night game. Indianapolis goes to Nashville and wins it 34-17. Hey, I was on the Titans, I was on the under. I lost them both. Our losers are out of the way now. It's we can only go up <laughs> from here.
1: There you go. On to better things.
2: Any any masters action for you today? I did okay on the golf course. Um nothing final
1: I say. I have a couple, couple, a couple and a couple yeah, a couple outrights and a couple head to heads. I have uh Thomas over DeShambeau. Sure. And then Finao over Tiger, which isn't looking great right now i think yeah
2: how about the big cat he shot 400 already. oh
1: unbelievable looked incredible
2: how do you uh i mean i don't know how much of a golf guy you are but like how do you feel about tiger <clears throat> root for him
1: uh i do i'm not rooting for him now because i well, took him sure, yeah <laughs> to, to miss the cut which isn't happening but yeah generally i, I just followed the masters and yeah, i'll root for tiger he's he's awesome
2: so let's move from the links to the gridiron. As I said, we're going to run through every game in the NFL week. NFL week 10 rotation, excuse me. And we're going to start on Lake Erie where we have the Cleveland Browns hosting the Houston Texans. Houston number 255 in the rotation traveling to Northeast Ohio, getting three and the hook on the road. We're seeing a total of 48 in this game. And I'll start with this one. I actually do have a play in this game, and I bet it over 49. So I would definitely advise, if you can grab 48, to take this game over the total. I think this is pretty cut and dry. At first, I was thinking, well, the Texans getting more than a field goal kind of makes sense. I'm getting the better quarterback in this game, Deshaun Watson, getting three and a half that seems like a good play. Then the more I looked into it, I thought, I saw how bad this Texans run defense is. Second to last in the NFL in yards per carry. And, I mean, we could look at some other metrics, but I think we'll just keep it pretty simple there. And that should tell you all you need to know about Houston defensively. And you'd then consider that Nick Chubb is likely to return for Cleveland in the backfield. And it figures to be a nice spot for Cleveland to get back to its bread and butter of playing power football and running the ball a lot with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, quite possibly the best running back tandem in the National Football League. So that kept me away from the Houston side. But then I look at the Browns, and this was also something that I kind of just had had a hunch towards just from now we're in week 10. And every time I feel like I'm watching a Browns game, I said to myself, gosh, I feel like Some of the better quarterbacks the Browns have faced have really sliced them up pretty good, and sure enough, Joe Burrow had over 700 passing yards in the two games he played against Cleveland. Now, I know in the second one, there was a lot of junk time involved, but that first one was a real duel, or that, I'm sorry, the first one was the junk time, and the second one was a real duel between Burrow and Mayfield. Dak Prescott, you can say what you will about junk time in that one as Dallas tried to make a remarkable comeback, but Prescott still went over 500 yards, and Lamar Jackson's 275 passing yards in week one are by far the most passing yards Lamar Jackson has had all season, and that came against Cleveland. So the point being, I think this sets up for a good day for Deshaun Watson, and yes, I still lean to the Houston side because I would I would rather have the Houston weapons, even though it doesn't look like David Johnson's going to play. Give me Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller over any pass catcher for Cleveland. But as I said, it's a good setup for Cleveland to play power football and do what it does, which is run the ball really well. I think strength versus strength means a lot of points. I'll stay away from the side and take this game in Cleveland over the total.
1: Nothing from here. me here. Um, like you are saying, the Texans' run defense isn't too sharp. They gave a 99 yards last week to James Robinson. Nick Chubb should be back. I expect them to run all over Houston, which will put Baker in some more manageable and easier spots. So he should throw for a couple touchdowns as well. And then that Cleveland secondary isn't great. So I I could see Watson going for a touchdown or two. I would play this over if anything.
2: Yeah, and that's where I'm at. So it's good to see you at least uh, lean that way on the total let's move forward and we're going to stay in the midwest where we will go to lambeau field the cheeseheads the green bay packers hosting the jacksonville jaguars we're seeing green bay laying the big number Uh, the biggest line on the board this week is the packers laying 13 a total of 49 and a half in this game Uh, i don't have a ton here i mean i think it's i I would probably lean to the home chalk Uh, Just given uh, the situation here for Green Bay, extra time to prepare off of the Thursday night game where they blew out the San Francisco 49ers. And I do think after that blowout loss that Green Bay had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think the Packers are probably, and and we did see this uh, on Thursday night against San Francisco, I I think the Packers are probably one of those teams that is going to look to send messages and blow teams out. Because you think about the landscape of the NFL right now and the contenders that everybody's talking about, maybe to a lesser degree Tampa Bay after Sunday night's catastrophe against New Orleans, but it just doesn't seem like the Packers are coming up as much in conversations with New Orleans and Kansas City and Pittsburgh and the two teams we just finished watching on Thursday Night Football, Indy and Tennessee especially because of how poorly they played against Tampa. So the point being here is I think when the Packers have a chance to blow teams out, they're going to do it. A good trend here that I saw this week, um, Aaron Rodgers uh, has a losing record against the, uh, in only one season, excuse me, does Aaron Rodgers have a losing record against the spread at Lambeau field. Uh, And that was his first season as the starter in 2008. Since then, Uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, no worse than 500 in any one season against the spread, and for his career, he is 55-31 in three against the spread at Lambeau Field. That's a 64% cover rate. And I mentioned that blowout loss against Tampa, well, the last game for Green Bay at home was a Not as embarrassing, but not a good loss by any stretch of the imagination against Minnesota. So I do think that there's reason for the Packers to want to come out and get Margin here. Uh, Ultimately, it's a big number. Uh, We did see Jacksonville have some success with the new quarterback, Jake Luton. So I do think there's a chance they could score enough to keep this game quasi-competitive and make people sweat. But I know uh, you like the Green Bay side here, Alex.
1: Yeah, I'm going to lay the points. Aaron Rodgers with 10-day rest, so that would be from last Thursday to Sunday. He's And 60. also remember Aaron 31. Jones should
2: be healthier. Yeah, he they're, that back.
1: they're healthier on offense. Jones is a full practice. David Bacchiardi is a full practice as well, and he's the third best tackle according to Pro Football Focus.
2: And it Aaron sounds like Rodgers, they might get some guys back in the secondary, Jair Alexander and Kevin King both getting close, I think.
1: Yeah, which I think will drastically help the defense against a rookie quarterback. So I like I like to lay the points here. The Jaguars' defense is really bad. They're 27th in rushing yards allowed per game. They're 28th in passing yards allowed per game. And they're 31st in the league in points allowed per game at 30.9. So I think this is a good game for Rogers to really run it up. I think... I think he'd want to. You see last week against the Niners, they didn't really let their foot off the gas. They were still driving the ball. They had their starters in most of the game despite being up big. They still put up 13 points in the second half despite being up 21-3 to three at halftime. So I think the Packers can win this comfortably. Aaron Rodgers with 10 days between starts from last Thursday to Sunday would be that. He's 6-3-1 and one against the spread. Like you're saying, they're getting healthier on offense and defense. I think they can win this comfortably. I see a, like a 37 to 13 Packers win. They're going to run it up. Rogers going for that MVP. He's currently third in MVP odds. I think this is a good spot for him to stack those points.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a good point you make about Rogers going for the MVP. Remember, at the beginning of the season and the entire offseason, the narrative around the Packers was. And, and I'll be honest, I was guilty of preaching this narrative to anybody I knew that liked football. Oh, they won a ton of close games last year, and that's bound to regress. And oh, they didn't do anything in the offseason to help Rodgers. First two picks were his successor, Jordan Love, and a running back, A.J. Dillon, which is nowhere near a position of need for Green Bay. And so I do think for that reason, given everything that was said about the Packers in the offseason, Even though we're into week 10 now, I think any opportunity that Rodgers and company get to just kick the crap out of somebody, they're going to take.
1: I completely agree. I was with you on that narrative. And I think Rodgers is just doing everything he can to defeat that and just wants a stack of points
2: because they don't give him any help. And remember, Rodgers himself sat three years behind Brett Favre, so... You know, the way it's looking right right now, I know we all came into the year thinking, oh, Aaron Rodgers last season at Lambeau Field and with the Packers. I don't know about that. Maybe Jordan Love is in for some more time on the bench.
1: No, it seems like him and Lafleur are bonding, and obviously winning helps. Uh, Admittedly, I was on the Packers win total under. I thought, giving him no help and – that would be a problem. But Just some bad it blood, like, it
2: felt like, between Rodgers and the organization. It
1: did, but it seems like he can do anything with any weapons, and Adams and Jones are two of the best in the league. I think they'll put up a bunch of points.
2: I definitely lean that way as well. Let's keep things moving and go to the East Coast, where we have the Philadelphia Eagles returning from their bye week, rotation number 259, traveling up the Jersey Turnpike, to take on the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, Philadelphia, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at bet Online, a total in this game of 44-and-a-half. And I'll start on this one. Give me the road chalk. I like the Eagles here. Uh, I think this is a good spot. I know that divisional home underdogs have been very profitable this year, although we did just see a divisional home underdog. The Tennessee Titans go down on Thursday Night Football, and we have a divisional dog here with the Giants. I think there's a lot of reasons to like Philly. I'm going to start with a trend that I heard from Ralph Michaels, who works for uh, Wager Talk, uh, and uh, I watched him on the uh, Bet On It program this week with Kelly in Vegas uh, and Yanni the Greek and Marco D'Angelo. And this was a great trend that Ralph put out that I really liked. When you have a road favorite off a, a road favorite of three or more, And that road favorite is off of a win and a bye week. Those teams are 43-16 and against the spread in the following game. 73% ATS since 2000. So again, that's a road favorite of three or more off of a win and a bye week. 73% against the spread since 2000. I think there's a ton of rationale behind this trend. Think about it when you have a road favorite. That means... I mean, first off, forget the fact that they're off a win. Road favorites off buys tend to perform well. Why? Because when you're the road favorite, you're clearly better, right? And so the concern that we have a lot of times with road favorites is, oh, are they going to be flat? You know, like Pittsburgh last week, big road favorite against Dallas. You know, Are they just going to sleepwalk through the game? Or are they going to take the opponent lightly? And conversely, the home dog is normally pretty fired up to play whoever they're facing. When you're off a buy you know, you're getting back into the swing of things and you're focused on just the opponent that you're playing that week because you didn't play the entire previous week. So that's the first thing. Then you throw in the fact that you're off a win. Normally you went into the bye with some positive vibes and some momentum and you're feeling good. And this is a Philly team that after losing a couple of close games to Pittsburgh and Baltimore, found ways in division games against the Giants and against the Cowboys. It wasn't always pretty, but the Eagles enter their bye week with two divisional wins. And now they're starting to get healthier, too. Before the bye, they had Jalen Reger on the field. They had Dallas Goddard on the field in that Sunday night game against Dallas. Now they're going to get Miles Sanders back and maybe even Alshon Jeffrey. And we can certainly debate how much Alshon Jeffrey, at his age, is going to really help the Eagles. But obviously, it's another guy that could be on the field for Philly. And we're not going to say this very often this season, but I think this is a game in which I'd rather have the Eagles skill players than the opponents' skill players for, for the Eagles. Because the Giants, without Saquon Barkley, we know that their run game is going to be very, very hit or miss. And the receivers and the tight ends don't inspire a ton of confidence for Big Blue here either. And one last thing on this game, when we, we've talked a lot about the Eagles there and why I like them. The Giants won the turnover battle last week against Washington 5 nothing. And despite that, it still comes down to the end of the game. That last turnover was an Alex Smith interception, which sealed it for the Giants. Washington runs 24 fewer plays than the Giants in that game last week. And they have the ball for 13 fewer minutes of possession. But the Washington football team still outgained the Giants 402-350. to So there's some concerning stuff coming out of that victory for the Giants last week against Washington. Couple that with everything I said about why I like the Eagles in this spot. And I think the road team laying the short number makes a ton of sense here. Give me the Eagles.
1: I love the Eagles here. I still can't believe that last week. Five turnovers to none, and they win by three points against Alex Smith, knocking out the starting quarterback and throwing the Washington team in shambles. It makes
2: you wonder. Like, the Giants are headed for another top pick, like – I don't know how you don't look at a quarterback. Daniel Jones at this point, like, just not getting it done.
1: No, he's not, but he's also not. And his
2: line stinks, and we talked about the weapons. Yeah, now. it does.
1: It, the Giants, they, they're ranked 28th in the league, allowing 3.1 sacks per game, so they're definitely not helping him out any, but
0: right.
1: he makes terrible decisions as well. He's turning the ball over all the time. Surprisingly, didn't last game. Um, but I still, I really like the Eagles here. They're getting healthy. My main concern is Lane Johnson being questionable. The Eagles give up a ton of sacks as well, but they also get to the quarterback. I could see them getting to Daniel Jones a lot. The Eagles are second in the NFL in sacks per game with three and a half, and the Giants give up a bunch. I could really see the, the front getting to Daniel Jones, creating a couple of turnovers. I think this number is short despite being a divisional game. I really like the Eagles here. I think they could win by a touchdown. I would play it at 3.5 right now. I got minus three, but I would still
2: play it up. Yeah, and I got in at a juice three as well, dollar twenty five to do it. But even if you miss that three, I don't think you're going to regret it. Uh, I think uh, three and a half where the market seems to be at uh, makes a lot of sense. And with
1: the Eagles getting healthy, the Giants' secondary is not very good. Like you're saying, what can Alshon Jeffrey really bring? But really like what I saw from Rager the week before. and the Giants' secondary, they give up 265-point yards per game passing, which is 25th in the NFL. They're just not that good, and they're on the field a bunch due to turnovers. I think Wentz, if he doesn't throw some of those – unbelievable interceptions I think the Eagles could win here easily
2: yeah and you know you it's funny like you mentioned that about the Giants secondary and for most of the season the Giants defense was actually like and I don't quite get it because you don't like I know Jabril Peppers but you don't think of the Giants defense like this isn't OCU Manura and Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan like but they were kind of holding their own. Like, Monday Night Football against the Bucks for the first half of that game, they were doing a really good job against Brady and company.
1: That's, I that's James Bradbury. James Bradbury is one of the best corners in the league that no one talks about. He's shutting here, down every yeah, top that's weapon. That's a good point. No, I like him. Yeah, he's really good. I feel like not enough people talk about him. But the rest of the secondary can definitely be exploited. They're good against the run, but... Their secondary still can be exploited. I think the Eagles could
2: could do just that. Certainly feels like a get-right game for Carson Wentz coming off of a turnover-happy game that he had uh, two weeks ago before their bye on Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of those Dallas Cowboys, they're on a bye week this week, so the only other NFC East team in action is the Washington football team as they travel to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. This game, not on the board currently. We'll touch on it just briefly anyway while we're talking NFC East because of we were it, it, speculating upon the uncertainty surrounding the Alex Smith quarterbacked Washington football team. I mean, Alex, I'll just say, you know, the Lions have been a disappointment for the most part for me this year. I still have hope I can catch that over six-and-a-half wins ticket. Uh, but you know, I certainly thought that they were live to perhaps make the playoffs, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So I'm not sure I'm necessarily interested in backing them as a short favorite. I saw them as a four-point favorite at home in this game uh, before it came off the board. Uh, But I I don't, I mean, gosh, I I really, I can't, I know it's a bad defense that Detroit has, but I can't take Alex Smith here. I mean, great story and all, but all those interceptions he threw last week, maybe he is going to kind of find his way. here now that it looks like Kyle Allen. I don't even, Has he officially been ruled out for the year, right? I mean, I don't know that for a fact. Do you?
1: Uh, nothing official, but I've been hearing that he's going to have surgery, so there's no way he's coming back. Right. That was so a brutal injury. So maybe Smith injury. can
2: kind of get his feet wet more and buy, you know, I think they play Dallas on Thanksgiving. Like maybe that could be a good spot uh, for Smith, but I, I still think – you know, first start now for him since he came back from all the surgeries. I, I don't really have any interest in this game, even if it were on the board. I don't know if you have anything to say here. This is the Adrian Peterson revenge game. <laughs> I it's
1: didn't even big.
2: <laughs> it's big time. Right, it's now big you got me pink as DeAndre Swift fantasy owner that they're going <laughs> to give the ball to AP on the one-yard line.
1: Oh, I'm sure they'll do that regardless.
2: That's true. Nothing,
1: yeah. nothing here. I, I'm not running to back either of these teams. I would, I would probably lean Detroit. Just Alex Smith looks so, so nervous back there. It's really, it's tough to watch. I, I couldn't back either of these teams, but if I had to, I would go Detroit. I just and can't. one other
2: thing, by the way, that I guess to add to your lean, and again, it would just be a lean for me. Remember, last week, Matthew Stafford, very quirky week, did not practice all week, uh, had to participate in Zoom meetings with the team, and then took a private jet to Minneapolis to play in the game, so a little bit more of a normal week, you would hope for number nine uh, in the blue and silver would help the Lions, but uh, again, I still can't back Detroit. I'll be rooting for him, though. Like I said, I need the win total.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll be rooting for him, too. I- I just can't get behind either of these teams right now.
2: Let's head to the NFC South where we have a pretty interesting divisional game here. Talking about divisional home dogs, here's one in Charlotte. It's the Carolina Panthers catching 5.5. Rotation number 262 is Carolina. Hosting 2.61 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Total of 50.5 in this game. And I think the big thing here, because, you know, I wanted to back Carolina, but we just don't know about. Teddy I'm sorry uh, Christian McCaffrey Um, and you know he gosh he gets right back in there against Kansas City last week and looks like the Christian McCaffrey we're all used to seeing and I mean the NFL is undoubtedly a better place with Christian McCaffrey on the field Uh, and it seems as if he is unlikely to play Um, he did not practice on Thursday it sounds like it's a more minor injury though and he could play in Carolina's week 11 game But as far as week 10 against Tampa, we did see Tampa beat Carolina in week two, 31-17 in South Florida. Um, Well, actually, it's just in Florida. I got my geography mixed up there, thinking about the Dolphins. But nonetheless, um, I do think that uh, this is going to be a pass for me. Teddy, all he does is cover. Bridgewater covers another game last week in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Like, these are the games like he's obviously a great underdog against a spread guy because Bridgewater is notoriously viewed by the public as somebody always oh, just Bridgewater. All he does is throw short passes, Teddy two gloves. What's so exciting about him? And he seems to always have his game, have his team in the game. But again, the lack of McCaffrey being there. The game that McCaffrey got hurt in initially earlier in the season was that Week Two game against Tampa. And when you're facing a defense. As good as Tampa's is, uh, you know, you need all the weapons you can get. So that's keeping me off Carolina. I will say, I think that this is going to be a very popular teaser leg, money line Parlay leg on Tampa, because you're going to expect everybody to just go right back to the well with Tampa bouncing back off of that embarrassment on Sunday Night Football. But that's my thing, too. I'm, I'm I'll hold the phone on that, because we mentioned the Giants and how well they played the Bucks, and then the Bucks lay an egg against new Orleans. Like I'm not so sure that there isn't something here with Tampa where maybe they're not as good as everybody thought. I, I got to see it first before back in Tampa, but you're not as hesitant. It sounds like.
1: No, I like this to be a bounce back spot. This feels too low. I think if we didn't see that, Demolishing last week against Lawrence, this would be more like a touchdown. I'm looking at Action Network right now. I'm seeing 64% of money coming in on the Panthers. I think this is going to be one of the more popular dogs of the week, which makes me like Tampa even more. I got it at
2: minus 4.5. I think I would still play it. The thing I'm curious about, though, is, like, you say, 64% of the cash. I wonder about the ticket count, though, on Carolina, because I was thinking this could be a sharp square game.
1: It's looking like 52% of the tickets on the Bucs and 48% okay. on the Panthers. They're not so as Not, drastic, cu- but not still quite. Yeah, not quite as drastic. bigger best as you team would to be on Carolina, then. Yeah. So, a little sharper, for sure. But, at the end of the day... Tampa still has the best rush defense in the NFL. I really think they can limit them on the ground, especially no McCaffrey. So put the ball in Teddy's hands. He does cover all the time, but I just like this as a good bounce back spot. I think the offense will be a lot sharper this week, and I think the defense will be a lot more honed in on the run. I think they'll shut him down and they'll make Teddy beat him, which he very well could. We can see Tampa exposed in the secondary. They give up 235.5 yards per game. That's 14th best in the NFL, so middle of the pack. But I just think Tampa has way too many offensive weapons. I think they can exploit this Panthers defense. I like them to bounce back. I think they could win by a touchdown.
2: Yeah, and it is a young, inexperienced Carolina defense. Remember, the Panthers spent every draft pick on defenders in uh, 2020, so um, I, I don't hate the handicap, but I do, I do wonder. And, and as I said, I thought the Giants game was very questionable from the Bucks as well. Uh, so uh, in some but ways, didn't we, open...
1: didn't we know that was going to be a questionable game? That was right. The okay, that's fine. Spot, right? But right.
2: if we we thought maybe questionable spot Monday Night Football against the Giants looking right. at okay, the kick yeah. And yeah, and yeah, don't, don't get your ass kicked by New And I know where I was like going with that. this it's like. I know we say no team's as good or is as bad as they look on any given one night, but how do you not look at 38-3 against your top rival in the division and have some question marks? I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of questions, but I'm kind of just throwing that game out. Not a
1: single unit played well, so does that That's lend true. more to coaching if every single unit But I would argue
2: it's more to coaching. Like, I was not super high on Tampa at the beginning of the season because – Aside from the one season when he went to the NFC Championship game with Arizona and lost to Carolina, he got blown out. What has Bruce Arians done? I mean, he had the one-year-two in Indy when Chuck Pagano had cancer and he was the interim coach, and I think he got coach of the year. So I guess there's spots here or there, but I just feel like his teams more often than not have been disappointments as opposed to overachievers. So I don't know. I don't
1: love him. I don't love him as a head coach, but – what
2: we've seen him done with quarterbacks,
1: Ben Roethlisberger, we've seen him do well with quarterbacks. I think
2: like, now we've heard like little like jabs about him and yeah. Brady. like I don't yeah, know. I
1: don't. I don't know if that's more motivating or what. It's weird to come out and question your All Pro players like that, especially midseason. You're not really motivating those guys. Those guys don't care about hearing that. I think they were really trying to force A.B. into this offense.
2: I was going to say, I wanted to ask you, as a Steelers guy, what you think about the impact of A.B. here. Yeah, I don't I
1: don't see it. I, not right now. It just feels too early to just jam him into this offense with so many weapons. Are they going to try to force the ball to him? They have better receivers, and Evans and Godwin are both better than him right now, and they're just trying to force it to him i still like them to bounce back. I think this is a good Okay. Week. This feels like a buy-low spot.
2: Well, let's move on, and we're going to start in the late window. By the way, Alex, I know we talk a lot about the imbalance of early afternoon, late afternoon kicks. Well, thankfully to the Masters, we get every early window game on Fox because CBS has the Masters until the late window kicks off, which means we get a lot more in the late window, so – There's another perk of the Masters being in November.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. can watch some golf and football at the same time and then
2: football in the late afternoon. Unless the Masters go late, we'll see. So let's go to Sin City where we have the Las Vegas Raiders, another divisional matchup here, but the home team here is the favorite team. And that's the Vegas Raiders. Right now it seems like the market is sitting at Vegas minus 4 against the Denver Broncos, total of 50 in this game, and uh, I do, we talked a little bit about this game before we hopped on, I'm leaning with Denver, although I think it's the kind of high variance game where if you like Denver, you might as well take the price on the money line, uh, which I'm seeing right now, bet on lines at plus 185, and if you like the Raiders, you know, rather than, use them in a teaser to, you know, get them to through that three or anything like that. I think you just lay the four if you like. The Raiders, because the Broncos are seemingly like the kind of team that Jekyll and Hyde, first half, second half type team against the Chargers. We saw them really, you know, crap the bed for three quarters and then wake up just in the nick of time to come back and steal that game on the very last play. Then against the Falcons, they dig themselves another hole and they come back and they nearly cover that game. Drew Locke, for those that streamed them in a good matchup against the Atlanta defense, ends up having a nice fantasy game last week. But the point is, now Denver's sitting at 3-4 and four, and this is the Broncos' season. I mean, if you can, I'm sorry, they're at 3-5 and five, and this is their season. If you can win this game, you can go to 4-5 and five, and you have divisional wins over the Chargers and the Raiders. And there's a little bit of life, and obviously four and five does not get you into a playoff spot, but it at least keeps you in the conversation and gives you a puncher's chance. If you lose this game and go to three and six, your season is over. Uh, and so I think the desperation angle is something to look at here with the Broncos, and they're also getting healthier. AJ Boye and Bryce Callahan should be back in that defensive backfield, and this is a Derek Carr led offense that I know that we think about the Raiders and John Gruden. He's normally a smash mouth guy, but Derek Carr has had a nice season. And, um, you know, I think that we saw last week Derek Carr and the Raiders offense, outduel Justin Herbert, and the Chargers offense. So I think the corners returning for Denver will help. Um, and this is also, by the way, the first time, and, and this surprised me when I saw this, First time that the Raiders have been a favorite since week one, and that was all the way back when they beat Carolina uh, in Charlotte. The other wins for the Raiders, and, and this is impressive, so you could certainly argue they're the second-best team in the division, undoubtedly. They beat the Saints in a Monday night football game. Obviously, that win is looking a lot better by you know as the weeks come and go. Uh, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they're the only team to do that. That's really impressive. Uh, They did lose to Buffalo. So this has been a pretty tough schedule for the Raiders. And you can see why they haven't been favored in many games. Um, They were short dogs against the Chargers last week. And they lost as, I think it was four-point dogs against Tampa. Um, So it's been a tough schedule. But... All of this is to say that I like to fade these teams that have been dog, 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 and then they're thrusted into the favorite role where you're all of a sudden expected to win, right? And that's the Raiders here where it's like, oh, they could sneak up on everybody against the Chiefs. They could sneak up everybody against the Saints, and they did that. Now they're expected to win these games. They're off of an emotional victory against the Chargers that came down to the last play. Something tells me I'm going to get there with the Broncos, and I think I'm just going to take the price on the money line in a game that the Broncos need to win. Yeah,
1: I think this is Broncos' money line or pass on the total or the spread. I don't think I would take them to cover. It feels like they're going to either win the game or get blown out. looks like on action this is one of the more popular dogs. They're getting – 52% of the bets and 71% of the money, so that's kind of surprising. I feel like most people would want to rush to back the Raiders off current form, especially knowing that they can beat the Chiefs. So what's what's this Broncos team? I really just don't.
2: The Chiefs. Little minor look ahead element here. I know it is a divisional game, but next week is the rematch: Raiders Chiefs. That's
1: a good point. That's a good. Good thing to look. Yeah, could be a look-ahead spot. But Raiders need all the wins they can get in the division and just to make the playoffs, especially if we get a extended form of 16 teams. I just wouldn't rush to back either of these teams. I would lean the Raiders. I really don't trust Drew Locke. He has looked pretty good in certain spots and then not great in others. And, uh, cars looked really good this season. I'm pretty impressed with their offense.
2: So a lean for Alex to the Raiders and I will give myself a pretty strong lean to the Broncos, but I do agree. Basically by and large, this is probably one of those games where the number, uh, on the game being the point spread probably isn't going to factor in a ton because either we're going to see the Raiders get behind a ton. And, and I, I'll say this to Alex, if the Raiders get behind, or I'm sorry, if the Broncos get behind a ton again, this is also why I don't think the point spread is going to matter. They're probably just going to pack it in and say sayonara and the season's over, you know? So maybe you do look to stack the Broncos and play them first half as well. Um, And, and that could be something that I look at as well, because um, if they do, or or maybe if you like the Raiders, you stack them thinking that if they're going to get up big, the Broncos are going to lay down. So um, yeah, I just
1: can't see how this, Four-point spread comes into factor at all.
2: And I'm not saying it's a wrong line, right? Like, no, nah, right.
1: We're Vegas just saying knows. that
2: there are games like this where high-variance outcomes come into play, and that's kind of how I feel about this one. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and keep the Week 10 chatter rolling. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of job seekers online visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have. For over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free seventy-five dollar credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free seventy-five dollar credit at indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December thirty first. And we're back. Here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover. Greg, a lot of Masters action for your boy this weekend. And, of course, NFL Week 10. The college gridiron has been treating me well. So I'll be back, uh, sure, for some college football Saturday action. Joined by Alex, our producer and co-host at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod on Twitter. He manages our podcast Twitter and his personal account at Alex underscore Up7. Uh, Alex, I got to start there. Maxion was mostly good for me, besides Toledo plus two last night. Got to say, I'm, I'm I'm loving. I've never been loving midweek Maxion more now that we don't have the NHL and the NBA yet.
1: It's absolutely incredible to watch.
2: <laughs> Thankfully, I
1: I wasn't on anything last night, so I was just following along, watching people. I mean, it's some of the most. Fun football there is in the right, and country. the best
2: thing is you go on Twitter and you know anyone tweeting about these games is only doing so because they bet on them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, how many? But they're fun games. Toledo, games. how many Toledo alums do you know? <laughs> oh, I, it, I mean, it brings it brings a new way to lose a game every single game. That fake spike for a touchdown, oh,
2: ridiculous, <laughs> and the onside kick. And oh, this extra that. point before that, where you thought, "Oh, now they need to score a touchdown." And
1: well, and even before that, it looked like that wasn't even a first down for Toledo. The the first down, the sticks were bent. The guy looked completely short. It's something. It's definitely an awesome league to watch, and I love that it's Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It gives us football oh, perfectly every single night, right? every
2: every day, right? Because Monday, there's always Tuesday, a, a scattered Wednesday. Friday games.
1: Right. There's always a couple college Fridays and they get pro Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Yeah. Love it.
2: Perfect. Uh, let's get back to the NFL before we get into the rest of the games. I'm, you know, I'm just curious. I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on just how you kind of prefer. Um, I'll be honest. Like we talked about it before we hopped on. I love a rotation like this where we have a lot of short lines. We're only seeing, uh, well, assuming Pittsburgh comes back up at seven when Roethlisberger is officially playing. We're only seeing Pittsburgh, Baltimore and New Orleans as touchdown chalk or more. Everything else is, oh, and Green Bay, excuse me. So that's four games out of uh, what, 12 this week or 13. I don't even know what the buy, I think it's four teams on a buy. So that would mean that you have 28 teams left to play. So four games out of 14 games. Uh, our lines of a touchdown or greater, I kind of like that more because, you know, as gamblers, we're always going to bet the spreads. But I always like when it's a shorter line and you're essentially just trying to bet on who's going to win the game or, you know, you're trying to find that hook at three and a half or, you know, if there's some value like a Carolina that's greater than a field goal dog, uh, so be it. But, I like when the rotation is like this with a lot of short lines. Are you with me there?
1: I am. I love it, but I also think it's way more difficult to handicap, at least for you know, the public where I speak for myself. I'm definitely a public better. We're looking You're a teaser for those guy? Yeah. <laughs> We're right. looking for those seven point favorites you just teasing. Get it down to
2: pick 'em. Right. This is definitely
1: not a week for you.
2: But so, at the same with that time, said, yeah, I I agree. If you I like to tease underdogs, you get them up from was, two to eight. You go through the three and seven. I was going to say that I
1: think it's a great week for underdog teasers. Looking at stuff like Chicago and Buffalo, Denver, Carolina. There's some great teaser legs for underdogs to bet you them got, up. You can, you can up. get
2: Seattle at plus seven in a teaser. Like, when is that ever going to happen again?
1: Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Uh, Getting Buffalo at eight and a half, that feels good. I I love betting underdogs up, especially through the number. I think that's the only way to tease.
2: Yeah, you want to go through the three and seven. Absolutely. Which so is what you're doing points. when you're going down too on the favorite. You know? Right, yeah. It it just feels a lot easier on the
1: favorites when you get a lot of seven, seven and a half, and you just tease them all down to pretty much win the game. Right. But which those, those never fucking hit, so don't, don't do that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, no. It feels like there's always one in there. That and, and gosh, even this week, there's always one. The, the amount of Baltimore, uh, you know, who's the other? Show? Oh, Pittsburgh. The Baltimore-Pittsburgh teasers that are going to be coming is probably crazy. And and who knows? Maybe somebody can, uh, you know, Burrow or Cam. Somebody can screw that up. We'll see. But let's. You mentioned Buffalo. I want to go go out to the desert, which is where the Bills are traveling out to play the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, And we're seeing Buffalo as a two and a half point road underdog total of 56 in this game. I believe this is the highest total on the board. Yes, it is the highest total on the board this week in the National Football League. Makes a lot of sense when you think about Kyler Murray and the level that he's playing at right now. Eight rushing touchdowns this year for Kyler. Uh, Probably not going to cash your MVP ticket, Alex, but he looks really good.
1: Yeah, he has. This is this is my this is my MVP game right here. Oh, you I, Allen
2: too? Yeah, this is my Josh <laughs>
1: Allen versus versus Kyler Murray. This is my MVP I, last week. Allen just showed up the MVP favorite, so that felt good. But the handicappers didn't quite agree with that, or the the bookmakers, I should say, they didn't they didn't downgrade Russ all that much, despite two interceptions and Allen looked great. I wish there was a little bit more of a a number change there, but I like this game. This is going to be really interesting. This is the travel. I wonder if the travel and coming off a massive win. Right. That kind of, that makes me think Arizona.
2: And that's where I wanted to go with this game too. Right now it just leans. Could be one of these late afternoon chase games for me with Arizona. Um, But because – this is where I think the no good is one week, no bad is another week type angle that we always talk about really comes into play. Not that Arizona stunk last week, but they lose a game at home as five, four and a half point chalk. Stung me. I had them. Uh, and then you have a Buffalo team that just beat Seattle. Josh Allen looked like the Josh Allen in the first month of the season where. You know, he's taking advantage of a bad defense. And the Bills are riding high. Seattle was a big public road chalk favorite. I took them and got burned by uh, the Bills' mafia. But now you have them in a a tricky spot here right before their bye week, traveling out to Phoenix to take on a Cardinals team that's off a loss. And given the state of the NFC West, you know, while – You would think the Cardinals, I'm going to look up their record here because I don't know it off the top of my head, but you would think where they're at, having gotten that win over Seattle, you would think, you know, all right, Cardinals, like, they're probably in good position to make the playoffs, but 5-3 in other divisions is a lot more safe than the NFC South, and somebody's going to win between Seattle and the Rams, we'll get to that later, so... I get the sense that Arizona is the side in this game and it's kind of a get right game for them after what was not their best performance, particularly defensively last week. Um, But right now, just a lean. It wasn't one where I looked at and said, I got to back Arizona, but I do think it's the right side.
1: I agree. I'm looking at action right now and it's, 57% 57% of bets on the Bills, but only 30% of money.
2: And right, and I think that's the, the recency bias that we were just talking about. Otherwise,
1: exactly. let's, let's remember,
2: this was a Bills team that before the Seattle game, against the better teams they were playing, you know, John against Kansas City didn't look good, you know. And yeah. they did have that comeback win against the Rams. That was earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, even against the Patriots. They let New England take that game right down to the end. And if Cam holds on to the ball, maybe New England steals that one. So I'm not sold yet. I mean, to me, Buffalo is in that good but not great tier, right?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. As much as I like Buffalo, I like their offense. I I can't – I'm not sold on them at all. I don't think their defense is all that great. I could yeah. see Kyler Murray really going off here. I, I really like – The Cardinals here. I think this is a great buy low spot. I think if we didn't see last week occur with Carolina losing to the Dolphins and the Bills kind of blown out, Seattle would. What do you think this could be? I think this was more like five.
2: I was going to say definitely through three, you know, and that's obviously significant. So, um, yeah, I think that's true because right, we all saw Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. You know, before that Dolphins game, not only did they win against Seattle in prime time, but they beat Dallas in prime time pretty bad, too. So you would think normally those kinds of wins in prime time, you know, result in a little bit of inflation on the favorite. Then they had a bye week and then they lose this game and all of a sudden, or they lose to the Dolphins, and all of a sudden those wins against Seattle and Dallas that the whole nation saw kind of feel like everybody's forgetting about.
1: Yeah, it does. I got the Cardinals early in the week at two. So I'm I'm really comfortable with that. I kind of want to go back in on the Cardinals. I'm really liking what I'm seeing here with the action network, 43% of bets and 70% of money. So that really sees, like, sharp money's coming in on the Cardinals, and I can see why. I really trust Kyler Murray. He's one of the better, more exciting quarterbacks in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely the second-best team in this division, although maybe the Rams have something to say about that this weekend. Uh, But, you know, I think at the end of the day, they've arrived a little quicker than maybe we all thought, and maybe Arizona's going to have a chance to even win this division. We'll see, Uh, but I think it's the side— uh, if, if I was looking to play the game, and uh, as I said, it could be one of those uh, chase. One o'clocks didn't go my way. Let's get right back at it, taking the Cardinals. That's kind of how I feel about this one. It's a lean for me to the home team. Uh, let's go to another AFC East team. This time, the AFC East team is the home team, and it's the Miami Dolphins. Rotation number 278, hosting the LA Chargers. Uh, we're seeing Miami as a one-point home favorite. Total of 48.5. And And I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm going to go right back to the Chargers. I got burned on them last week, but speaking about gambling adages, we've talked about the nobody's as good or as bad as they look on any given week thing. Try not to hold grudges either, positively or negatively. If you lose on a team, don't jump to fade them or don't not play them just because you lost on them. And Conversely, if you win on a team, just don't blindly play them because they were good the other week before. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about with the Chargers here. Yet again, and I know this seems to be their thing, but yet again, they lose in the final minutes on the last play of the game. And yes, it was an incomplete pass. Uh, gosh, for a while there, it looked like Anthony Lynn was going to get off the hook for doing a goal line fade to, I think it was like the third string <laughs> tight end.
1: It was. I think that's the guy from the XFL, actually.
2: Right. So, uh, it ends up being an incomplete pass, and they lose at the buzzer against the Raiders. But this is more a play against Miami than it is on the Chargers. The last two weeks, Miami outgained by the Rams four seventy-one to one forty-five. That's a three hundred and twenty-six yardage differential in against the Dolphins and they still win the game 28-17. And then last week against the Cardinals, they're outgained again by a significant margin, 442 to 312, 130 yards there. So that's 456 yards that they've been outgained by the last two weeks. And yet here we are talking about the having it's going to be the right pick because we're seeing Tua face off number 5 overall against number 6 overall Justin Herbert. Herbert's re- repertoire is further along and he's got there's more I've seen from him obviously larger sample size, but I think his, you know, toolbox is a little deeper and there's more in his uh repertoire that makes it more expansive. I think right now he's clearly the better quarterback. Kyle Van Noy and Christian Wilkins went on the COVID list for Miami on defense, by the way, so they're probably not going to play some of their better uh, players in the front seven. And Preston Williams went to IR, so Tua is losing a weapon. Uh, I'll continue to back the Chargers to think that another short line, so probably another close game. But I have to think they're just going to be on the right side of one of these for a change and win one. Uh, I'll take the Chargers again. This will definitely be one of my plays.
1: Nothing official for me but I agree. I'm seeing on action Chargers are only getting 41% of bets but they're getting 55% of the money. I really like the Chargers here not quite there yet but I definitely lean with you. I think Herbert is absolute stud. He's looked really good especially in these clutch situations. He drives them down the field and they're always in a position to win. Can uh can Tua keep this up? Can the Miami defense keep this up? I'm not so sure.
2: That's the thing, and now they're down Van Noy and Wilkins, like I I'm not so sure either. And you know, Anthony Lynn, you would think he's probably coaching for his job these last five, six weeks, right?
1: Yeah, these are must win games. I I don't know. Anthony Lynn always holds on to keep his job but... Ad- I think these are must-win games.
2: Yeah, and and conversely, Miami, I know they're in the playoff hunt, but they're, again, overachieving. It makes you wonder if they don't maybe feel a little fat and happy, especially off that big win. Maybe they sit back and, you know, think, oh, we're playing the Chargers. They always find a way to screw up, and maybe it just doesn't happen this week. I,
1: I Take a step back.
2: Right, exactly. So, you know, still an inexperienced Miami team that at least I didn't think was ready to make the playoffs yet. Were you high on them at the beginning of the season? Like, I wasn't fading them. Like, I didn't play them under their season win number. But I just didn't think they were ready to make the postseason.
1: No, I also didn't think they'd insert Tua quite that early. I was thinking more Fitzpatrick. It had to
2: have been planned, right? Or maybe Tua was just tearing it up in practice because they had been winning games with Fitzy.
1: Right, yeah. And he he looked solid. He was leading them to victory, so...
2: Yeah, coming kind of in the season,
1: I didn't really expect him to get inserted like that, especially before to play the Rams with Aaron Donald. I didn't really expect that. Also, I think Preston Williams just went down. He's on the IR, so that's another weapon off the board. Yeah, I would lean the Chargers. Yeah, I mentioned well. him.
2: Yeah, I think the Chargers is undoubtedly the side here. Uh and again something I probably will uh get to the window with. Uh, Before we go back out west, let's briefly touch on the game in western Pennsylvania where the Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. This number has come off the board, I think, just waiting to make sure that Ben Roethlisberger is going to play. Seems like it's a very similar situation to Matthew Stafford last week, where Roethlisberger was placed on the COVID-19 list um, as a high-risk, close-contact I read that he sat next to Vance McDonald on the plane ride back from Dallas last week, and McDonald was the one on Pittsburgh who tested positive. But as we record on Thursday evening, nothing has been uh, negative uh, this week and negative in the way of news. Not The tests have been negative for Roethlisberger, which uh, means that he is on track to play in this game, but obviously things can change in the next 48 hours. Uh, Pittsburgh was a seven-point favorite when this game initially went up on the screen, uh, and I even—I don't even remember what the total was at in this game, but uh, it was probably going to be a pass for me, Alex. We talked about backdoor Burrow. He did it week two against the Cleveland Browns. It wasn't a backdoor, but he kept the game competitive against the Indianapolis Colts and covered that one uh, about three, four weeks ago now. Uh, outright upset win for the Bengals over the Titans the last time we saw them before their bye week in Week 8. So Bengals have kind of been a scrappy, fight-scratch-claw team that, you know, I kind of look at those teams. They lost to the Browns by three the second time they played them and covered thanks to the mixed-extra point by the Browns. Um, so the Bengals have kind of been one of those teams that I look at and say, all right, well, they're in a lot of games. I think that bodes well for 2021. I could see them maybe elevating a little bit in the AFC North. As for this year, I can't back either side here. Because of the fact that the Bengals are in a lot of games, I can't take the Steelers. But I also don't want to take the Bengals because is there a bigger welcome to the NFL than Joe Burrow having to face this Steelers defense? You know, and remember... This is a Steelers team that is off of an unimpressive victory against Dallas. Maybe they're ready to reassert themselves a little bit and kick the snot out of a divisional opponent. I would lean Pittsburgh, uh, but probably only a lean.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing minus 6.5 Steelers on FanDuel and minus 7 on DraftKings. I'm also seeing 61% of bets on the Bengals and 71% of money, which is very surprising as the Steelers are one of the more popular teams to bet. I don't have anything official here, but I feel like this is a perfect spot to play the Steelers, especially with the Bengals covering all the time, all the games. I mean, you kind of expect
2: those ATS records to regress to the mean, you know?
1: Exactly. And, if it's going to come against any defense, it's probably going to be the Steelers' defense. That ranks first in the NFL in stacks per game. I feel like they could really rattle Burrow here. I'm just uncertain, obviously, due to the COVID stuff. I think Ben has to test negative five days in a row, which would put him at Saturday. So that's no practice the entire week. I'm not right. sure if they really need practice with him. Obviously, this is a unit that's been together for quite some time.
2: It's worth saying though, we probably would have said that about the Lions and Stafford, right? I mean, he's been there the yeah, whole year.
1: Exactly, that's a good point. I and mean, we saw how how he came out looking kind of rusty. Yeah, that's a good point. I would I would still lean the Steelers here. I
2: would as well. I yeah. think
1: if he plays, they could and honestly, probably... like,
2: that might be the difference between a lean and a like for me. If it's his normal Ben week, I'm probably going to bet the Steelers here.
1: Right, but also if it's a normal week, this is probably like nine and a half to ten. Do you think so? Even it with the
2: Bengals' success against the number?
1: Yeah, I feel like this could could have opened at. Like and nine the,
2: and bad. we talk about recency, the Steelers just having to survive against like, Dallas. I'm not sure it comes yeah. that hot. Uh, i never know. You think <laughs>
1: it could have? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would lean there. Nothing. Interesting to
2: see uh where the normal week next in week eleven Pittsburgh travels to Jacksonville. So I will be curious to see where that number comes. Obviously with Green Bay as thirteen point chalk at home against Jacksonville. Worth noting that game is in uh Florida against the Jags in week eleven, but still curious to see if it is a normal week for Ben next week where the number settles for Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. Any Last words here, Alex. Before we get to the final few games,
1: if, you, if we're talking next week, that's the that's the AFC revenge spot, AFC championship game or uh, divisional game there from that's a couple true, of years right? ago yeah. Portals, right. which yeah. they all what the fucking are still dominated on the team for the Jags?
2: <laughs> Still revenge. <laughs> all right, let's move forward and head to Southern California, where the L.A. Rams. Uh, at their brand-new SoFi Stadium, host the Seattle Seahawks. We're seeing Seattle as a one-point dog in this game, total of 54.5. You know what, Alex? I'll be honest. I don't have the trend handy, and I should have looked it up. uh, But I know that Sean McVay has been one of those coaches. You think about him, one of those offensive masterminds that the whole league was – You know, worshipping at the altar of the first couple of seasons he was in the league and obviously went to that Super Bowl against the Patriots. But really, that Super Bowl against the Patriots was the beginning of him really being figured out um, as Brian Flores at the time, the defensive coordinator for New England, and Bill Belichick did an excellent job against McVay's offense. And then we saw the Rams look pretty pedestrian at various times in uh, the 2019 season, missing the postseason does appear as if the Rams are back to at least make the playoffs in 2020 as they come into this game at five and three. And I'll be honest, if Seattle had lost that game or wasn't, um, excuse me, if they had won, meaning if Seattle was not off of the bye week or off of that loss, I'd be looking heavily towards the Rams here because it feels like you talk about like different variables and outcomes. As you mentioned, if this was a normal Ben week, Maybe that Bengals-Steelers line is a little bit longer. Well, I think if this is a normal Seattle, like if Seattle took care of business and beat the Buffalo Bills by two scores like the Bills beat them by two scores last week, then I do think we're seeing maybe even – like I think certainly we're seeing uh, the Rams as underdogs. And I'd be curious if this could have even gotten close to three. Uh, that's I, was thinking,
1: I was thinking three as well. When I was looking at this game, I was thinking, if we throw out last week, this is Seattle minus 2.5 or 3.
2: Right, and so that was where I would have been really interested in the Rams coming off of the bye week. I agree. kind of a sell high on Seattle. But then you think about Seattle coming off of that loss, having lost the game we talked about in the division earlier this year to Arizona. Granted, they did get a divisional win, after that against San Francisco. Uh, but I can't play the side. Um, I think you had mentioned you like the over here. Hard to ever disagree with a Seattle Seahawks over, just with the way that they play. And I mentioned McVeigh; he's an offensive mind. You would think that he is going to be able to find ways to really exploit the Seattle defense. Uh, so I think the over is definitely a smart play here Uh The side is going to be a pass, though.
1: I'm going to actually play Seattle on the money line and the over. I think both are good looks. I lean more towards the over in confidence-wise.
2: I think Seattle is a good teaser leg. I mean, you must agree if you're taking them on the money line. Yeah,
1: I think they win the game outright. And I think getting them up to seven on a six-point teaser, I think that's a great look. This feels like a close game. just... Russell Wilson off a loss he's twenty four twelve and four against a spread, and then Russell Wilson, as an underdog, he's twenty three nine and two against a spread. This feels like a great buy low spot, like we were saying if if Seattle goes into Buffalo and Wins that game, like they probably should have and could have then this is this is up to maybe two point five, maybe three. Seattle is a favorite, and now we're looking at them as an underdog. Their defense is horrendous. They're 30th in the NFL, allowing 30.4 points per game. But their offense is first in the league in scoring with 34.2 points per game. Like you're saying, McVeigh off a bye. He is an offensive genius. But at the end of the day, it's Jared Goff as quarterback, really doesn't instill confidence despite they have the weapons on offense to put up some points. So that's why I think this game can definitely go over because the Rams still, they average 24.1 points per game, which is 22nd in the NFL. That's enough to put this game over. I just don't see them keeping up with Russ and Seattle. I think they have way too many weapons for the Rams to keep up. I think this will definitely go over, and I think ultimately Seattle wins in a shootout. There's a trend here, which I mentioned earlier, but games of 48.5 or higher on the total, they go over at 66.7%, which really instills confidence here with the total. That's this you know, that season. High. Yeah, that's this season. Yeah. So I like that. I like Seattle to win the game in the shootout.
2: Yeah, I I do think, and this doesn't necessarily talk speak to this week, but, uh, you know, and I'm not going to belittle. Like, I bet Seattle to win the division at plus 275, so I'm obviously hoping to catch that ticket. But, you know, I don't really bet the Super Bowl. uh, If I would, I'd try and beat the line move at the beginning of the season. I know, Alex, you have a couple. of Seattle one of your Super Bowl tickets?
1: Yeah, I took them earlier. I think 10-1 to 1 is what I got them preseason.
2: Yeah, and you're not going to see them any longer than that. So I think from a value perspective, it's a good bet. But I have serious reservations that Seattle can keep this up and win a Super Bowl this way. I know that Kansas City wasn't the best defensive team last year, but I want to say they at least had a league average defense. I mean – I have strong doubts that Seattle, with this bad of a... They're going to have to figure it out. They did make some moves. Uh, They traded for Carlos Dunlap. This is
1: like a historically, historically poor defense. Yeah. This is one of the worst defenses. I just
2: mentioned, like, Arizona a few minutes ago as a team that might be able to sneak up and win the division. Same thing for the Rams. And as I said, I hope that's not the case, holding a Hawks to win the NFC West ticket. But it just feels like... Can you trust
1: Jared Goff? I i can never try. i know and i, I would feel right? way more like, comfortable
2: that's the thing garrett goff it feels like when he wins the throws are easy and the play design is great <laughs> right. and the bay is putting him in great spots when is he ever in his career for that matter you know gone on a big two minute drill or gone on the road and won a huge game yeah. and maybe-
1: if you just watch some of these games he's just overthrowing guys for five yards it's it's unbelievable. McVay like, so, puts puts so, in okay, great. Okay, then it spots. sounds
2: like you think that Arizona and I do at least Arizona's the bigger threat to take this division away from Seattle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I do like the Rams defense. I like I like their secondary. I like their I pass say, rush, Any
2: defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I think I like yeah, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's very strong. But their offense just doesn't scare me due to Jared Goff. Like they have the weapons Cooper Cup, Robert a Yeah, run,
2: run, run game. I mean, it's been good. Gosh, I don't get why Cam Akers are a second-round pick. Like, Daryl Henderson's a nice back. I just – okay, then why did you draft Cam Akers? Like, that was a weird one. But
1: It's a crowded backfield. Malcolm Brown's also pretty solid. But yeah, Daryl Henderson's been great.
2: So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you for the most part on the Rams – it's weird, like, we think about these young guys they have on offense and think that they'd be, like, a juggernaut, but they're kind of not, but the defense is pretty good. Uh, right. I, one of those teams is probably, like, a playoff team, but, like, I just don't get jazzed like, or, like, excited to, like, bet the Rams ever, really. Like, no. Not
1: like, at I both at
2: them against the Bears on Monday Night Football, but that was more of just, like... Oh, points. Yeah. The Bears were like five and two or something, and a six-point dog. So it's right. like, oh, that's like the time you really want to like load up on the favorite when the team that's like a game or two worse is favored by close to the touchdown. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Do you, Do you think the Rams can put up enough points here on a terrible defense? Right.
2: And that's the thing. Like, am I ever going to really because I agreed with you on the over? Am I ever really going to feel great about Jared Goff against Russell Wilson? The answer is probably no. But as I said, I do think uh, if there's ever a spot, it would probably be with McVay off a of bye. So that's probably why I stay away from this Yeah, stuff.
1: but also last week, Wilson had two interceptions and they're still putting up 34 yeah, that's points.
2: True. So no, he and he didn't look good at early. No, 90. he
1: didn't at all. And they're still, I mean, they lose by 10. They score in the last minute. But can the Rams really get there like that? I'm not so sure. The
2: defense is going to have to do what Buffalo did in the first half, for sure.
1: They will. They'll have to pressure Ross and they'll have to turn the ball over several times.
2: A few more games to get to here on Full Slate. Final game in the late afternoon window of the rotation is the San Francisco 49ers, number 271 in the rotation, traveling east to take on the New Orleans Saints. We're seeing this line out to double figures, where New Orleans is laying 10 in the Superdome, a total of 49. And you talk about what have you done for me lately? San Francisco, San Francisco certainly burned me. I went full contrarian on that Thursday night game last week and got my ass kicked with the Forty Niners. Um, gosh, it sucked. Uh, that was bad. You got all your buddies thinking. What the hell are you doing? Holy fuck! Can
1: we touch on that one for a second? <laughs> Go Why? ahead.
2: Oh, you're a fucking total beat. Yeah,
1: I'm still <laughs> upset. I'm still upset on that. A full God, Why the fuck is he taking timeouts like that? <laughs> I understand. I I just assume they're running their two-minute offense just seeing what they have. I mean, he's taking timeouts with like 30 seconds left. They score with no time left to, to cover the total by like <laughs> 1 or .5, depending on what number you got. And that was, that was something. That's
2: got to be one of the worst total beats of the year. That hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so the game goes over and the 49ers get crushed. Um and obviously on the flip side, we see the New Orleans Saints really go into Tampa Bay and put a hurting on the Bucs winning that game 38-3. And Alex, I guess let's just start there. You mentioned you're back on the Bucs this week and you're willing to kind of excuse the loss to the Saints. So does that mean that you thought that that was a lot more about the Saints last week and that they're a Super Bowl contender?
1: Yeah, I think they look really good when their defense is playing well. I don't have as much trust in Drew Brees, but he obviously can make enough plays. We saw Michael Thomas back. That's a huge addition to the offense. I still don't quite trust them as much as most do. This number feels a little high.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a lot about, and I'm doing it with the Chargers, so I'm not guilty of this, like getting burned by a team and not wanting to go back to them the following week. I lost to the Chargers last week, and I'm going to probably, not probably, I will back them against the Dolphins, but I, I just feel like this San Francisco team, by the way, I heard a stat that San Francisco has not played a single game this year. Uh, Like, every game has been at least a touchdown away from the spread. So, like, kind of a high-variance team. Obviously, last week they got blown out. uh, And the week before that, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, again, got blown out by the Seattle Seahawks. They did the blowing out of New England. They've been playing a lot of these games that have been decided by double-digit margins uh and here we're seeing 10 so you know maybe if you like San Francisco you look at you know selling them and taking them plus three you know and getting like two to one something like that because if you're Kyle Shanahan like you know you have a good run game and your only prayer in this game is to run the ball a lot whereas New Orleans like at the same time, while they did look really good last week, and they do have Michael Thomas back, to cover these big numbers, you need to be able to hit big plays. You know, like you need your Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill 75-yard touchdowns. Drew Brees is not throwing the ball downfield. So I'm not saying I want San Francisco here, but I don't want New Orleans either uh, because I don't think that they're the kind of offense that is going to strike quickly enough to cover a big number like this on a regular basis. Uh so I'm going to stay away from this game. I don't really have a lot to say. I it's one of those where I saw that game from New Orleans last week and yeah, they're a Super Bowl contender, but I got to wait and see. I just want to see what they look like the first game after that and not have any action on it.
1: Yeah, nothing here for me. This feels a little high. I would probably lean San Francisco, but I'm more so thinking the under. These are two top ten rushing defenses, and both teams like to run the ball. I'm just not sold on Nick Bowens. He's not that big of a drop-off from Garoppolo, but I'm still not that confident in either team.
2: Yeah, you know, one thing that my buddy mentioned that I think is interesting with these big lines is if you like these dogs, look at them in the first half. And if you want to just have like a fun bet, take a chance on them in the first half money line. I might do that with San Francisco. Carolina was ahead at half against Kansas City last week. The Giants were ahead at half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two weeks ago. I think the rationale is sound. Uh, Dallas was ahead at half two weeks ago against Philly as a double-digit dog, if you're going to be a big underdog like this, it's easier to keep up for one to two quarters than it is the full game. And if there is a coach that we think can at least have his team competitive, it would be Kyle Shanahan. I think maybe a little fun bet on the 49ers to take the lead into the locker room might be interesting. I just think with these big lines – if you think that the other team can keep it close like Carolina did, like the Giants did, then it might be because they play a really good half and happened to take the lead into the locker room.
1: Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I think this could be a – I hate to say this is a coaching mismatch. I, I think Shanahan's one of the better coaches in the NFL. He, he does a lot with the little. I think he could definitely come out hot and put up enough points in the first half to cover you.
2: So let's move on to the primetime games as we are going up to about 80 minutes now recording. Hope you're staying with us on Full Slate. We got two more games to talk about. We have the Baltimore Ravens traveling up north to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. And this game uh, is sitting at about seven at most shops with one of the lower totals of the week, which I suppose makes sense when you consider even though they scored 30 last week, it was the New York Jets they were playing. The New England offense obviously leaves a lot to be desired in the way of skill players. Total of 43 in this game. And uh, we got a little crossfire action to uh, round things out here. I am going to plug my nose and back the New England Patriots here, plus the seven. And here's what I'm seeing. I know that New England's dinged up, and we might not see Stephon Gilmore back yet in the secondary um, and Nikhil Harry has been in the concussion protocol. Not that he's been doing a ton. Anyway, Damian Harris of their running backs left that game last week early against the jets. Having said all of that, here's what I'm thinking. The entire league this season has shown that they are figuring out Lamar Jackson. And we talked about Buffalo earlier as one of those teams that we think is good and not great. I'm putting the Ravens in that category. We saw them against Kansas City get really blown out at home. And it wasn't a blowout, but they lost to the Steelers. Those are the two best teams, I think, in the entire league, but certainly in the AFC. And I just can't get there as putting the Ravens on that level. We've seen them play down and let the Eagles back in game in a game you know, that they had no business being in. That game against Indy really was closer than the score indicated last week because Baltimore scored on defense. So if the whole league is starting to figure out Lamar Jackson. Why won't Bill Belichick, okay? The Ravens smoked the Patriots in Baltimore on primetime in Sunday night game last year. So we got a little bit of a revenge element for Bill and the Pats that were on the team last year. This is the largest home underdog role for New England since 2001. And in 7 they've only been in, in the last 17 games as a dog Patriots are 10-7 and seven straight up, 12-5 and five against the spread. And lastly, every New England game, besides they had a blowout against the Raiders that they won and a blowout loss against the 49ers, every game has been close. Right down to the wire against Seattle. Uh, they won by 10 against Miami. They lose by 6 against Denver. Uh, even the game against Kansas City, they're in for two and a half, three quarters. And that's without Cam Newton. Nobody wants a piece of New England right now. Off the Monday Night Football survival against the Jets, everybody's saying, oh, they needed a buzzer beater against the Jets to win. But Cam Newton, another close game against Buffalo a couple weeks ago for New England. Cam Newton, in that Buffalo game, had a few rushing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown against the Jets. I think he's starting to figure it out a little. COVID, hopefully, is completely behind him. And I think this is an interesting spot here for New England. Isaiah Ford, they're getting him on offense, who they traded for from the Dolphins. All of it is going to be why I'm going to plug my nose and say, Patriots, let's do it, plus a seven.
1: (laughs) Everyone has figured out the Baltimore offense, but they're still eighth in the league putting up 28.4 points per game. Patriots have a woeful rush defense. They're allowing 131 rush yards per game, which is 25th in the NFL. And the Ravens happen to be first in the NFL in rushing yards per game at 171. I think this Patriots defense can be exposed, especially on the ground game. I love the Ravens here. I think they'll easily win by double digits. Easily. Wow. Easily. I think they're going to control the game on the ground. And then the Patriots can be had in the secondary. Like we saw last week, Joe Flacco went off for a little. Granted, Jackson doesn't. He's calling for a get-right
2: game for Lamar?
1: Absolutely. I think he's
2: going to throw the ball. I think they're going to run all over them. If you feel that Baltimore is going to do this, you must think that they're a Super Bowl contender then, right? Because I know it's just New England. But, okay, that's fine. Uh, We just haven't seen Baltimore be, at least in my opinion, they haven't been that convincing this year. You'd at least agree with that, I hope. No, I
1: definitely agree with that. I I don't think they're convincing, but I definitely think they're a Super Bowl contender. Look back to week one. Granted, it was against the Browns, but Lamar put up 275 yards in the air and three
2: touchdowns. Okay, but here's my problem is – Last year, it felt like Lamar was, like, the human highlight reel every week. And he won the MVP, right, last year or so. Um, he did I, – I think he was the MVP. It was either him or Mahomes. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah, it was Lamar. So, every week, he's just tearing everybody to shreds. And, therefore, I'm saying, like, the league could not adjust, really, in season until the Titans really had a great game plan and figured him out there in the playoffs. Okay. Now I think the entire league has caught up and I think it's going to take Lamar an entire offseason, like for the Ravens as a team to figure out how to readjust. I mean, if it hasn't happened yet and they can't get the ball downfield to Hollywood Brown, I don't see this passing game all of a sudden clicking. I think this is one of those things where the league needed a year where Lamar was kicking everybody's ass. And now I think more often than not, like the league, I don't want to say kicking the Ravens' ass because they're still 6-2, and two, but the Ravens have been, you know, the defenses have been getting the better of the Ravens, it feels like, more often. And I just think well, to see the Ravens elevated again to that elite status, this is you're, just going to be one saying of those. Years.
1: Kicking, you're saying kicking their ass, but they're, they're still putting up 28.4 points per game. That's still eighth in the NFL.
2: Yeah, but like I said, defensive touchdown last week. I'm saying the defense is good. You know, Marlon Humphrey is is one of the best corners in football. And and the
1: Patriots defense is bad. They're bad this
2: year. They're not good. Last year... Listen, I am not going to sit here and say the matchups... Like That's why I said it's plug your nose. Because I don't think there's many matchups here where you can say, oh, the Patriots have an edge there. I do think, though that this, we haven't talked a lot about the total. I think this is probably a good underlook because if you're saying that New England struggles against the run and we know that New England is going to want to try and run Cam Newton and whether Damian Harris plays or not, we've seen when New England had success, they're running it a lot. Like, I just think this is probably a game in which the clock goes tick, tick, tick more often than not, which makes me think under despite the low total. And lastly, Alex, look, let me just ask you by the way, about New England. What were you saying about them, and what were we all saying about them when they were two and one pre-COVID cam? They're two and one, and they are cam stop on the goal line away against Seattle from being three and0. Oh. We're not saying they suck then, you know?
1: No, that's fair, but looking back on Seattle's defense, I think we can correct a little on how well they did against Seattle.
2: That's fair. But then they blow out the Raiders, who, as we talked about, the Raiders beat the Saints this year, beat the Chiefs this year. Like, I just think all of a sudden, everybody that thought that New England team that was going to be like ten and six and have a chance to still win the division, like that's what we were saying about them. That was this season, you know. So, and and again, the only game that they've gotten blown out in, and they're getting seven here. The only game that they've been blown out in was that game against San Fran. So,
1: yeah, I just don't see them remotely slowing down the Ravens and the rushing attack. I think Baltimore controls this game. I do think it goes under as well, but I think Baltimore wins pretty comfortably, like a 24 to 10.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could be another one of those low-scoring Ravens wins, which is kind of the way they've been doing it. I guess to close the book on this game, we've covered it a lot. If the Ravens do win that way, though, are you really going to think, because again, you think they're a Super Bowl contender, if they go to New England and beat them 24-10, and again, it's another lifeless game from the offense and Cam looks bad, are you really going to leave this game really just thinking Baltimore is on the same level as Pittsburgh and Kansas City? Like I just can't get there.
1: No, I could see that argument. But also, like we saw last week, the Colts look dominant in the first half, and then the Ravens give up zero points in the second half. I really think they could dominate on defense and in the rushing game, which I think would lend to the cover and the over.
2: Yeah, I mean, we shall see. We talked about this game plenty, uh, and we're going to talk about this last game a lot as well because while I like New England and I will back the Patriots, Uh, in the plug-your-nose side of the week, in my opinion. I absolutely love talking about the visual home dogs. Let's end on Monday Night Football in the Windy City. Favorite spot of the week, the Chicago Bears, number 276 in the rotation, hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And when you talk about what have you done for me lately, all of a sudden now the Minnesota Vikings are getting a ton of respect in the market. It wasn't that long ago that they traded Yannick Ngakwe, Daniil Hunter got ruled out for the season after Anthony Barr was already out for the year, and everybody thought, oh, the Vikings, you know, it's a transition year, right? They just lost, you know, Xavier Rhodes and uh, Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes in their secondary, and now they don't have uh, Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin's gone. All these, Anthony Barr's out for the year. All these guys on defense, they're turning things over. It's a transition year for the Vikings, right? That's what we were all saying couple weeks ago then they go to Lambeau and win then they win the divisional game against Detroit and now here they are three and five with their third straight divisional game on Monday Night Football and a chance to get into the wild card picture in the NFC but I'm here to tell you to hold the phone because while I don't like the Chicago Bears at all I absolutely love the spot here for Chicago we talked about this before we got on the air uh It was a reverse line move, but having said that, a little over a month ago, Chicago is a a three-and-a-half-point dog at home in a primetime game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As I said, reverse line move, game open, five-and-a-half-six, closed, three-and-a-half for Tampa. Now we're seeing Minnesota as two-and-a-half-point road chalk in a primetime game in Chicago. And this is a huge two and a half, so it is trending towards three, which is why I haven't bet it yet. I'm hoping to get a three. So are we really to believe that the Vikings are only one half a point better than the Bucks? And I know the Bucks laid an egg against the Saints, but I'm sorry. The three and five Vikings, just from a numbers standpoint, are not nearly as close to the Bucks as this line indicates. And what have the Bears done since that Bucks game? Which, oh, by the way, they won. Okay? They went to Charlotte and beat the Panthers. They had a bad game against the Rams. That was their only bad game, though, because that game where they go to overtime and play basically five quarters against the Saints, that's looking better and better for the Bears now. And they covered that game. And last week, against the Titans, they actually outgained Tennessee 375-228. to 228. And they almost got through the back door, six-and-a-half-point dog. They end up losing 24-17. So, not a lot has happened since that Bucks game for Chicago, where I think that Minnesota should basically be the same favorite as the Bucs were. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, from a pure numbers play, I think this lines off. And then, when I look at Kirk Cousins... This guy has gotten his ass kicked by the the Bears every time he's faced them. 233 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and lost a fumble in a 16-6 loss last year at Soldier Field. In the two games against the Bears in 2018, in the game in Minnesota, he only threw for 120, 132 yards, one touchdown, no picks, Bears win 24-10. And in the first game against the Bears, In 2018, his first season with the Vikings, Cousins throws for 262 yards and two touchdowns, but he throws two interceptions, and the Bears win 25-20. So he's 0-3 straight up against the Bears, and the common thread in all three of these games that I just described has been the Vikings and Kirk Cousins playing from behind. Why is that so important? Because the Vikings, the last few weeks, have been riding Dalvin Cook as far as they can to these victories if they get behind. Game flow means more Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins in primetime. We don't like that. Oh, by the way, last week, the Bears held Derrick Henry to 21 carries for 68 yards and no touchdowns against Tennessee. Love, Bears, plus two and a half, hoping to hold out for a three. Don't think it's going to matter in the end, though. Chicago wins this game out week outright, excuse me, best bet, Bears.
1: I love it. Nothing official for me, but I love what you're saying. I'm looking at the bets coming in on action. Looks like 38% of bets are on the Bears, but 60% of money is coming in on the Bears. So I love this spot. Like you're saying, Kirk Cousins in prime time. You can never trust that. I see the Bears shutting down the running game. Which leaves us total under cousins
2: props under uh, uh, Monday night I'll probably hit you're it all. all. Yeah, you got to
1: hit that. Yeah, I would like to hit that all. Yeah, maybe uh, cousins under touchdown props. I think right. a good look if you're fading the Vikings. Yeah, I think Bears win this outright, especially at home with a stronger rush defense, and then you're relying on Kirk Cousins to get you a win. I don't see it.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you agree with me there. As I said, a uh, long-winded handicap for me, but I had a lot to say, and I'm glad that uh, (laughs) you don't think I'm an idiot on that one, at least. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Al, it's a lot of fun. Best of luck in Week 10. We'll be talking.
1: You too. Talk to you later.
2: All righty, that'll do it for our Week 10 pod. Hope everybody enjoys another NFL Sunday. Enjoy the Masters. Find Alex managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Give him a follow on his personal account as well at Alex underscore up seven. And follow me for all of my gambling picks at undercover Greg. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thank you to our sponsors and thank you to everybody that listened. And of course, please play responsibly.